Welcome to the XYZ Experiment Podcast. Today, we have myself, obviously, Dash. I'm your millennial Gen Y. And we also have Fiona. Hi, Fiona. Hi, Dash. And Fiona's our Gen X. And we are so excited, Fiona and I, because we are interviewing a good friend of ours, Emma. Hello, Emma. Hello. So lovely to be here. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for joining us today. Um, and Emma has a really interesting story, and I'm not going to give anything away, but Em, we often start our conversations with two questions. And so our first question to get to know you a little bit more is, which generation do you belong to? Well, I am a Gen Y, um, but I always find that so hard because my little sister, who's seven years younger than me, is also a Gen Y, and I just feel like we're generations apart, but I'm on the upper end. So you're the you upper end, be- similar to me. But that's yes. interesting when you have a sister that has a big age difference also in the same generation. Yeah, it's super interesting. And I feel like it's, um, I'm more conscious of it at the, mo- at the moment as I get older. And I feel like I'm maybe, I definitely have some boomer moments. And I'm like, <laughs> I can see her watching me and being like, oh my gosh, how are we the same gen? Yeah. <laughs> maybe you're more zenial, which is a bit of X and a bit of millennial, like, like Sarah is. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I definitely like fall firmly in Gen Y. Yeah. Um, but yeah, maybe I'm just, maybe I'm an old soul, Fiona. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. It could be. Um, but you've just said you fall firmly in Gen Y. Is there a Gen Y characteristic that is very obvious in your life? I feel like the biggest one that comes through is like the constant need for feedback. (laughs) Just, you know, seeking it, making, I don't know. I don't, maybe it's a more than a Gen Y thing, but it's, it feels like it's a Gen Y thing. That is a Gen Y thing. It is. Yeah. 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 A well-known one. Yeah. But, like, I don't like the positive stuff. I just want to know how I can improve. A hundred percent. Really? Yeah. Just, can I just unpack that for a moment? Like, I only want the positive stuff. <laughs> like when I'm told the stuff where I can improve, I'm outraged by that. <laughs> really? Yeah, to hear you two say you only <laughs> want the feedback that way that's a really interesting reflection and I love that you shared that because it's made me think about it as well as a Gen Y and I I have gone to my bosses before and said I don't feel like you read my document closely enough because you haven't given enough feedback wow (laughs) I am currently like yeah I, I completely relate to that yeah and I'm like come on bring it, bring it, because it's the only way I'm going to be the best at what I possibly can be. And I must exhaust them. Like listening to you, I must be like, God, it must be exhausting for my team when I do this. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, yeah, definitely the feedback thing. I think that that is something we do. Yeah. (laughs) And our two millennials agree. (laughs) (laughs) So um, we met you here when you lived in Melbourne and, um, of course, through the Williamson Leadership Program. But since then, you've had a big shift and now um, listeners should know that you're Zooming in from Singapore today. So tell us a little bit about yourself and share what you want to share with us today. Yes, well, I'm an Aussie living in Singapore with my family. So we've been here two years now. We we moved sort of mid-COVID, I guess. So it was a really interesting time 
to to leave Australia, particularly Melbourne. Um, and a lot of people were like, oh, you're really going to come struggle coming to Singapore. But actually, it was kind of liberating leaving Melbourne and coming to Singapore. Uh, our restrictions took a lot longer to ease here, but it, it was a different kind of restrictive lifestyle. Um, I'm a mum. I've got two girls, three and five, and a fur baby who is our cat, and he is 10 soon. So what led to moving to Singapore? Living overseas is something we've always wanted to do. I've My husband and I have been together for 16 years now, so we met sort of end of uni. We were actually friends before that. Um, so we've got we've had a lot of time. We've grown up together and, and living and working overseas is something we've always wanted to do. But we were never going to be the kind of couple that, you know, quit our jobs, packed our backpacks and started working in a pub in London. That doesn't really fit with our personalities. And so it's always been waiting for the right opportunity. And it was most likely going to come through his work. So he's been with the same organisation since he was a grad. He's obviously moved roles within that time, but they're a multinational. And so the opportunities to move were going to be with him. Um, I I don't have the same longevity in roles. I think my longest position was four years. So um, it's great that we have that opportunity and it was just waiting for the right timing. We had had one opportunity come up previously, but it was at the same time I got a really good work opportunity. And so we decided to put my career first in that instance. And then the timing of, of this one was very much, it, it aligned. It was COVID. I just had our second baby so I was out of the workforce and I was actually fully out of the workforce because COVID meant um, the role that I was in did not continue and so it was it was it was good timing in the end and it was something we've always wanted to do and Singapore I'd never been there before but it seemed great my husband had loved it from previous work travel so we just said yes pretty quickly. So you'd never been to Singapore. Had you known other people who were living in Singapore or who had given you advice about what Singapore would be like? Yeah, we're really lucky. Some of our best friends live here um, and they've got three little boys similar ages to us and they'd moved sort of two years before us. And so we were able to talk to them about the experience of living there and especially with a young family and then my husband, his work had brought him to Singapore sort of quarterly for a couple of years. So I have memories of being at home with my eldest home alone while he was sort of heading back on business class flights from Singapore and finding it very hard to feel sorry for him having any jet lag. So Singapore had always sort of like been part of our life, but not not for me personally. So when you think we're going to go to Singapore, this is all looking great, what were the realities once you got there? You would have had an idea of what it's going to be like, but was it like that? What were the pros and cons of it? Actually, think I didn't really think about it that much, about what it was going to be like, which sounds kind of ridiculous. I, I feel like when we have big decisions in our life, we tend to just do them. And if they've, I, I'm a real gut person, so if it feels right, we just go with it. So I, I hadn't done a huge amount of research into Singapore apart from sort of prepping my my eldest really because my youngest was 11 months old. So I bought like a bunch of kids' books. So that was really my education on Singapore. Like I knew that it had lots of lightning storms because that was a highlight of one of the books. I knew there were lots of 
like water parks. We really talked that up. We went hard on that. And then we got here and all the water parks were closed because of COVID. And so that was like a bit of a backpedal there. But I think like I think what I knew from the outside, um, I I knew it was a green city. Like I think it's kind of a label around that and my background's in sustainability. But I hadn't really unpacked what my expectations were associated with that. Um, I knew it was going to be an easy place to live. Um, again, my background, I'd worked in transport, so I was like, oh, I'm super excited about the bus system as, like, a, you know, every good former public servant is. Um, but, yeah, I hadn't really thought about it a lot. And it was it was kind of funny coming in COVID because it the Singapore that I came into two years ago is completely different to what it is now. So, you know, we had to do our seven-day stay-at-home notice and I'm a runner, so the first run that I did was in this, you know, really busy touristy area that I pretty much had to myself. And so I had the luxury of getting to know a city without tourists, which is kind of crazy now that that is all back on the agenda. And so I go to these spots that I used to have to myself. I'm like, hang on, this this is my special place. Like, what are all these hundreds of people doing? Yeah, I, I mean, in lots of ways, not having huge expectations makes it it easier. But I'm sure there were some some hidden ones there that that we can unpack. Do you think it was it was actually fortuitous that you moved there during that time? It would have been amazing having all of that sort of space to yourself and being able to, you know, enjoy that without hundreds of people around you. Oh, absolutely! Like I think everybody hates the person that talks positively about the pandemic days, but unfortunately, as a as an introvert. <laughs> there were they were there were many good things for me about the pandemic and and I do think in moving to another city as well like it did it did make it easier from that respect um, but of course lots of challenges as well and and I was reflecting on that recently because my eldest has just started school and when I was looking for childcare centres for my girls when I started I wasn't allowed to go into anywhere so I was in a new city trying to navigate my way doing all these virtual tours and trying to get a feel of where I'm going to be sending my kids off. And and that was really hard doing that. And and because it was a lot slower to open up here, like we only went into the classroom like less than a year ago for the first time. So things like that, which I think is quite probably quite different to the Australian experience in some ways. But, it you know, it's just what it is. You get on with it, I think. So how did you, I guess you know, thinking about some of the things that you may not have known were expectations you had going into Singapore. And now you've been there how many years? Three years? Two Uh, two years. years. Two years. Singapore culturally is very different. Was there anything that took you by surprise around the culture of Singapore, the pace of Singapore, the life of Singapore? There definitely are things that I are, are very different. I mean, it's a it's a different country. It's got a different rhythm. You know, there's so there's so much to love about that, and then sometimes it can be really hard. Like it's a it's a rules based society, and you know, Australians are we are quite good at following rules, but the consequences are different, and so that was something to get used to, especially when you've got two little people that you know, aren't that interested in following rules. But then like on the flip side of that, 
I feel like the the tolerance and the acceptance and I mean welcoming of kids is quite different to my experience in Australia. There's a I found being a pregnant woman in Australia, I was like, you know, I was pretty much the queen walking around. And then as soon as I had a pram and my active wear on, I was probably the most annoying person in Melbourne. And so I don't feel that here. I think people really love kids and they're really welcoming with kids. And so that's been something that's, um, that I've noticed. I think in the workplace, there's definitely been things that I think are commonplace to us in the way we're educated and then the way we conduct ourselves in the workplace that are, are different. And then I hadn't appreciated that I take for granted a little bit. Um, but, you know, it's there's there's flip sides to all of it. So I can tell when I'm needing a bit of a break because my tolerance is lower of some of the things that are different. When you made the decision to move, like how do you tell your family and friends you're doing that and how do you stay connected with them? It's a great question and one that I don't think we handled that well. I think that's a, a product of how we found out we were going and how long it took. So we sort of sat with this concept of Singapore for months while the organisation my husband worked for went through the process of helping us to move. And then we we told my parents who were pretty suddenly and a, probably an unfair time, like just after my little sister got married. So emotions were high and then we're like, and now we're taking your grandkids and leaving. Um, and it was still, you know, it was still in that COVID time where we were having moments together and then being locked down again. And then, of course, it, it everything takes longer than you think. So it sort of became a bit of a shadow hanging over us um, and like it might never actually happen. But when it did, it happened quite quickly. Uh, so I think we probably could have handled that better, but I'm not. I'm not sure how you you have that tell that have that conversation. Um, I don't know. How, if someone knows how to do that well, I I would love advice. Although I'm not planning on you know dropping that bomb again on someone. In terms of the, I guess holding relationships and managing them, that's something I found really hard when we first moved because it was a bit all-consuming and the the time difference is enough that wasn't easy to connect with friends necessarily. Um, I was lucky my little brother has been living overseas for a number of years and we got in the habit of just calling each other whenever we thought of each other, whether that meant we had like a five-minute conversation between the train and getting to work or an hour-and-a-half conversation where we really dived into things. So I had that habit and that's sort of how I keep in touch with my family. We just play um, phone tag I'm, I'm not so good with my friends and it's something I sometimes feel guilty about but also I feel really lucky that my friendships aren't ones that require that constant day-to-day engagement and as soon as I see them it's like we've you know never been apart like you girls like we haven't when did we last chat months ago and then I've done something which I have definitely admitted to people but if I had never really been on Instagram stories before coming to Singapore and I use that as a very passive way of keeping people informed of what I'm doing and it's it's mostly not and it's like a real Instagram not a reality thing so people are like oh my god you're living the best life in Singapore I'm like yeah <laughs> that was one photo from one day but it's a it's quite an easy way to sort of 
keep in touch, but it's it that's not necessarily a meaningful relationship. But I, I mean, as someone who is on Instagram and watches your Instagram stories, I love that. Like, I love it every time I get to see a glimpse of what's happening in your world because it's true. Like, we don't get to chat as much and connect. But then I'm like, yep, she's, you know, she's okay or she's going for a run yeah. and she's got this beautiful scenery. And, and while it might be a, a highlight reel, it's still nice to see the highlights. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I do wonder if that's, Millennials are comfortable with doing that, but do you feel like you're comfortable doing that because your Instagram people are people you've already connected with in real life as opposed yeah. to making new friends via Instagram and showing them a highlight reel? Yeah, absolutely. Like I am selective in who is part of my Instagram following. So there are all people that I am friends with and I don't accept people that I've wouldn't have a conversation with in real life. So I know that's a safe space in that respect. And I think the other thing, which again, you girls know, like I, if I am having a difficult time, I do find it okay. Like I can reach out to people and you've, you've been part of that group. So I've got such strong connections that it's not like I'm relying on that as a source of real friendship. Like I know what it is. I know what I'm doing there. That's fine. I've got I've got other things going on. It's just a nice way to be like, we're still alive. We're still here. I I love the stories when you see you and your dad exercising together. I love those. He's got the hugest smile on his face. It's so gorgeous. Yeah, I I mean, and in terms of difficult things about being here, it's 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 family and friends. That's the thing that's the hardest. I think you know that leaving so yeah mum and dad just came and visited and it was so lovely and you have moments of being like why am I why am I taking myself away from this that the experience of being here is so rich as well for our family and our little unit of four because it is different to you know being in a place where you've got all those established friendships and your family and you can um we we rely on our little unit of four a lot more and we spend a lot more time together and, and that's really special too. Can I go back to something you said earlier because it's just really going through my head. I love what you said about your brother if you think about each other that you call, that you, you yeah. call. Like I've never heard of that before. What a beautiful thing to do. Like so gorgeous. It, it just makes it, it feels a lot closer. So like he can I can call him and I do it now with my whole family and um some of my girlfriends too and it's like now's not a good time I'll call you back and Mm -hmm. even that's enough like you know it's you know because sometimes you see a phone call come in you're like I don't have the energy for that long conversation but it's okay to just say that and that's the connection point and then we'll retry when it works so yeah it it is really nice so I was lucky to have had that in already sort of established as a pattern for for trying to connect One of the things also going back and talking about how you moved, like you moved in the height of COVID and do you feel potentially one of the elements to navigate was borders are closed. Um, We don't know how long this pandemic is going on for. When are we going to see each other again? Um, Was that something that you had to think about and talk through with as a family? It was definitely 
on our mind, but it was never going to be something that held us back because, I mean, you never know what's going to happen tomorrow. And anyone who thought that we could have planned what was going to happen with the pandemic, like if you put your life on hold for that kind of thing, I don't think you were going to, well, that that's just not in line with how we live our lives. So it was, it was difficult not knowing, but it wasn't like we were, I, I don't think we ever thought we we're in a situation where we're never going to see our family again. Like, you know, that we are, we're very privileged. We would have, if we really needed to, we probably could have found a way back to Australia. I imagine. Yeah. But luckily we didn't have to follow that. But yeah, I think, and I also think, you know, we're pretty optimistic people. So we probably don't spend heaps of time in that space of, if you don't know, then you don't know. So what? <laughs> let's, do, let's deal with what we can deal with right now. So you're not worst case scenario people like I am in the sense of being like, oh my God, everyone's going to die and I'm never going to see them again. <laughs> I'm not, you don't have to answer that. But like, it's like, it's a different personality type. And I think I loved how you shared that, you know, you always knew you were going to live overseas. I feel like your friends have demonstrated that, your family, your brother has demonstrated that this is a normalised thing. And yeah. it sounds like you weren't scared really doing it. No, it's just, I mean, it is something we always wanted to do. And I and I also think we're at a point in our lives where, you know, uh, our careers are pretty established. We were literally living like the nuclear family dream. Like we have a white picket fence and house <laughs> and two kids. Like it, there's a point there where that is actually a little bit scary. Like this could be our life forever. And we, I mean, it's not like we've done something wild we're living in Singapore for goodness sake <laughs> we're not um but it's it is different and we we really want to give our kids new experiences and they're definitely exposed to that here in Singapore different cultures different ways of operating and that's really important to us as well that we're raising really open-minded kids that want to go out and explore and make an impact and like uh, you know that's a lot to expect of a three and five year old at the moment they're just happy living their lives but I hope that these kind of experience help shape that. I'm wondering what impact it has had being in Singapore on you and your family. I think it has been like one of the best things we could ever have done. I'm so happy we've done it but it's also been really hard and hard in like again coming from a very privileged position but there's sort of built-in things when you're you're surrounded by people that know you so well that you forget about. Where we are kind of on our own here. We've got we've got amazing friends and we've got a community, but it is it does feel a lot more like we can't just call up mum and dad and be like, oh, can you just come and I don't I don't know even know what they would do. come and look after just, the kids while we go out for dinner. Yeah, although we have, I mean, the support that we have here is more than in Australia. So it's in terms of the um, childcare and, you know, general life. So that's, it's not that. I think it's more from, if you think about the fact that I'm not great at communicating with my um, friends, then there's a huge, huge reliance on my husband to be more than I think is fair of a partner. And I think that was difficult for us. And, you know, it was a lot of 
change. At the start, I wasn't working and that wasn't great for us because I think I need to be a good mum, to be a good partner, to be a good friend. I need to be living a whole life. And when I'm, um, I was fully focused on parenting and um, sort of running the house, I I don't think that's the best version of me. And some people can do that so well. It's just, that's just not something I can do. So there was definitely pressure and strain for us. Um, but it also like working through that, that's been so rewarding. And I feel like we're stronger as a couple and we're stronger as a family because of it. And I'm really, we're really proud of us for, for doing that. How do you make friends in a different country? What sort of things do you do to make new friendships? Well, I think that Singapore is really, again, this is my only experience living overseas, but here the expat community is really strong um, and everyone's in the same boat. So no one has mum and dad around the corner. No one has their little sister and their high school friends. I mean, some people might, but that's not the norm. And so there's a real welcoming sense from everyone. And I, I really found that so as I said, we had some of our best friends living here. So that was a comfort straight away. Um, and just to be able to know that they were there and able to support us, even like I think one day I was just feeling so overwhelmed. I just went and had a big cry and a hug and left. And that's so nice to have people like that. But also like I've I've made friends that because you're in it together, I can do that with too. But then there's lots of, you know, you can just have fun with people like you don't, it took me a little while to realise like they don't have to, not all your friends have to be like that deep, deep sort of we know everything about each other. You can just have fun with people. Like that's a perfectly legitimate friendship. Um, and so that's been nice. I think I had to do a bit of resetting of expectations. But, yeah, we, we're really lucky. We have a huge community around us. We live in, we, we live in an apartment and the the condo life is really fun. Like all the kids run around the pool and so you make friends really easily that respect and because I've got young kids like it's I've got lots of touch points with other parents it probably makes it easier as well and I think it I I don't know what it would be like at a different stage of life. If you were to go back and tell yourself things that you now know that would have potentially helped your journey a little bit is there anything you would say to yourself? Just be a bit kinder to yourself like it's okay even though you've made this decision and you're 100% behind the steering wheel, you're still allowed to find it hard. That doesn't, you can, you know, it's kind of the advice I was giving to my kids but wasn't really taking myself. So you can love it and find it hard at the same time. The two aren't mutually exclusive and um, and just to be a bit, bit kinder to myself in that period. Well, when are you coming back? Are you planning to come back? Uh, no, we've made this move very permanently, I guess. You know, we, we don't have any possessions left in Melbourne. We brought our cat, like, we've come here without a um, an end date and that was really important for us as well. We, we want to fully be here and not with that hangover of, you know, we're going to be home in X number of years. Um, and so we're here and we're loving it and we have no plans to move Hi, Fiona here. Thanks for taking the time to listen to the XYZ Experiment podcast. And don't forget to leave a rating and review. If you enjoyed our show, tell all your friends and family and subscribe. 
Follow us on Instagram at the XYZ Experiment for all the latest updates and news. Our original music was composed and performed by Luke Champion. 